and welcome to CausePods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here at CausePods, we have one simple mission, to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes and make the world a better place, whether it's in their own local community or they're taking on global issues. Please visit us at causepods.org where you can learn about our guest show, their favorite charitable cause, join our Facebook group with resources for cause-based podcasters, and find a link where you yourself could be a guest here on CausePods. Again, that's all at causepods.org. All right, we are going to take you down to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and this is a show that I'm going to say the name of it, and you're going to go, what? But I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. We are chatting with Devan and Hubert. He is the host of the Sex, Drugs, and Jesus podcast. You can learn more about it at sexdrugsandjesus.com. Devanin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Hey, man. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I feel fabulous a, today. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, it is a pleasure to have you joining us. So a very interesting combination of words in the title of that show. I, I have often heard the relationship with sex and drugs, right? They are usually synonymous, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. In your case, sex, drugs, and Jesus, what is the preface? What is the idea behind this podcast before we get into how you came to be uh, you know, creating this show? Well, the podcast came about as I was writing my memoir, and it came to me that it was a really good idea to start a, a podcast if you're going to be writing a book so you can do your own like cross-promotion and stuff like that. Now, the memoir is also called Sex, Drugs, and Jesus, so the name actually started with the memoir. And I like to be... Direct and to the point, but not necessarily on the nose. But if I'm going to deliver something, I just want to deliver it. And so the core of my story has so much to do with sexuality and a lot of drugs and a lot of Jesus. And so I was like, let's just put it in there and just be done with it. <laughs> it's it's descriptive. It's honest. And it tells us exactly what we're going to be getting uh, when we check it out. And by the way, folks, we'll put a link straight to the book as well uh, in the show notes for this episode. But uh, easy enough, sexdrugsandjesus.com slash books. So tell us a little bit about your journey, right? Like why, what is brought about the decision to write this memoir? What is the message you are trying to convey in the work that you're doing? The importance of transparency. Uh, whenever I got HIV, like, a, like about 10 years ago, uh, me and my friends were too busy running around to the club, you know, partying it up and stuff like that and trying to be cute and look picture perfect. And we were cute. But the problem was nobody was really being transparent about the problems that we were going through. So then I got HIV, found that out on a voicemail that a doctor left me on New Year's Eve back in 2011. And so then I really went down like a this terrible, like downward spiral and everything like that. And so, so fast forward to today you know, I'm doing better and stuff like that. And I thought, well, surely I haven't been delivered from all of these problems and I skipped over them. There were many, you know, just to have a quiet, successful life. Let me be transparent so that hopefully other people can read through this story and find something that's going to help them. I see the sex and the drugs aspect here. And, you know, folks who are listening to this can't see you've got, you know, it looks like cross earrings coming down. So, Let's talk a little bit about the Jesus part. You know, you say in your description that, you know, as part of your journey of self-discovery, you were, you were kicked out of your church. So do you still have a fraught relationship with religion or have you 
found another way to have faith in your life that you celebrate. Right. So thank you for noticing my earrings. I did wear them just for you today. <laughs> thank you very much. Got them on Etsy, actually. Really cute stuff. <laughs> they are fabulous. Absolutely. Thank you. And so, yeah, so I was attending Lakewood Church in Houston, Texas under Joel Osteen whenever I was ousted from the ministry for not being straight all those years ago. That was actually the first catalyst that contributed to my downfall before I got into the drugs. And so there's nothing worse than being dehumanized by a church of all places. And so when that happened, I was very immature in my faith. I wasn't as grown up as I thought I was. And I did let it cause a rift in between me and God. So fast forward to the day I've reconciled that rift. I don't really fool with churches so much anymore. As, like, like Gandhi said, I like your Christ, but I don't like your Christians. So no, I don't go to church. I don't care for organized religion because I found that I can, I found the further I get away from churches, the closer I get to God. It's, it's so interesting that when we talk about religions and for a lot of folks who have appeared on this very show that they had a very deep spiritual relationship with religion. And if that religion, if that organization, if that specific church had simply been open and accepting of who they are, they wouldn't have lost somebody who wanted to be devout to those beliefs. And just the fact that, like you said, you were pushed away simply for being who you are, simply for not conforming to their rules of you have to be straight, that you know they lost a member and they probably lost a very vocal advocate for their church in doing so. I was a little bit too ate up with it looking back on it. You know, I'm a very like, intense Sagittarius, you know, I take stuff way too far all the time. And that's one of my, that's just something that's just, this is how I am. And so, but yeah, I was, I was a guy running around with the Lakewood church brochures in my car, handing them out to people everywhere I went. I was volunteering there like 10 hours a week. I was in the adult choir singing on the weekends. I was the supervisor in the kids ministry over the other teachers. And I had taught my, I was teaching my own group of third grade boys. And then I was a worship leader in the kids department as well. So yeah, I was definitely all in. And now I'm all like middle finger to you, Lakewood Church and Joel Osteen. So. <laughs> you also say in your description that you served in the military and you did so during the, you know, infamous don't ask, don't tell phase of the armed services. What was that like trying to volunteer, serve your country and feel like once again, somebody was telling you, we want you just not the way you want to be. I was so young and naive then. And, you know, I went to the military and I was 17 and I don't know that I necessarily recommend doing that. Now that I understand how really long it takes us to develop and settle into who we, who we are. It totally sucked because I was certainly a victim of harassment for not being straight when I was in the military and it's like I couldn't go anywhere. And so, and I got more and more rebellious against them as I got older and I barely was able to get out with an honorable discharge because I kept getting into trouble, you know, in, while I was in the military. But it, it, it's never a good situation where you can't be yourself. So I'm so happy that now in the military, you can be as gay as you want to be, you know, and it's, everyone can just twirl around, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's good life looking at it now. <laughs> So you, you had these experiences, right? You got your diagnosis, you went through a downward spiral with drugs, 
Um, you know, you left the church or you were kicked out of the church, however, you know, it wants to be perceived. So then where did you kind of stop and say to yourself, I think I want to write a memoir or I think I want to, you know, start to talk about my experiences, start to share what I've gone through and, and really help others. A couple of months after my fourth felony, when I got out of jail and they had transferred my probation from Harris County, Houston, Texas, over to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I'm originally from so I can get back closer to home and hopefully not fall back into debauchery again. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's one of my favorite words. I learned it from watching Bugs Bunny back in the day. He used to say debauchery. And so anyway, so... Um, solid, solid word. <laughs> so, and so in the year 2013, I took out a tablet and just started writing. I had always wanted to write a book, man. I never thought it would be, be about my true crime life and all of this. I just really, really felt pressed to do that. And so I just started taking notes in 2013. And it was the year the coronavirus came to town that we finally sat down and put an outline to it. So it was a good, what, what, eight years of notes before I started writing the book. I just felt like I had received such strong deliverances that I did not want to keep it you know, to myself. And it was hard to keep it bottled in anyway. And I found writing to be most healing. When when we work with other podcasters and talk to other folks who are doing this kind of work, we always ask, you know, why, why are you doing this? Who are you trying to target? And upon getting that person to read the book, check out your podcast, what is it you want them to do? And so I'm curious for you, when you were actually writing this book and then even thinking about the podcast, what's your mission here, right? Who is it that you want to have consume this content? What is it that you want them to get out of it? And, and hopefully what is it that you want them to be able to do after, you know, spending time with your thoughts? This is, this book was written in a way to touch on people at different points in their life. So I'll give you a couple and I think I think that I've accomplished this without being vague in my target audience. So somebody can read through this and maybe they know somebody who's struggling with addiction. Okay, maybe it's going to give them a different perspective of somebody who's struggling with addiction, or maybe someone who's who's homeless and, and things like that. I want to give an inside perspective to that because sometimes people may go, oh, look at that homeless person. Why don't they just fix it? Or why doesn't she just quit the drugs and stuff like that? So I wanted to really be transparent with the struggle of the up and down of drugs and stuff like that and, and to divulge the community that you find when you actually do live homeless. Uh, when it comes to people searching for religion, I wanted to be transparent about the the search for that because I, I want to, you know, my message in there is for people to, to, to sort out their spirituality because being spiritually vague is not going to serve you. And it doesn't matter if you worship God, Christ, Buddha, your fuck, your cat or whatever that, you know, you know, you just, but, you know, believing in, in something is important. And so I challenge people to, to make a decision. Cause so oftentimes we get very like lackadaisical when it comes to spiritual matters. And we'll, we'll just be like, Oh, well, I believe in something. I haven't quite figured it out yet. In the meantime, I'm going to go over here and have this martini and take this trip or whatever and get to the spiritual stuff later. And so so, so I'm trying to be, I'm trying to cause people to have more compassion towards people struggling with things that they haven't been through. For people who are going through addiction and stuff like that, I get messages from people saying, I'm so happy to see, you know, my story and your story, that sort of thing. Oh my gosh, I've gotten messages from parents saying, you know, you're helping me understand my gay kid now, you know, um, 
that I mean, that was going to be my next question was, you know, you have a good sense of who is it you want to reach and it could be at various points in their lives. And interesting that it's not just the person themselves who, you know, might be struggling to be okay with who they are or to, you know, open up about who they are or live happily being who they are, but even to the other folks around them to help them be more welcoming and receptive. I'd be curious to hear a little bit more about what has been the response, what has been some of the reactions that you've gotten, you know, from putting out this book and and from doing the podcast. Parents have found a greater understanding of their, their kids. There's been people who have felt comfortable enough to reach out with like their pornography, what they consider to be like a pornography addiction, for, for instance, and things like that. So then I'm able to engage with them, you know, and start conversations of, okay, why do you actually think that that's bad? You know, like, where do you get that from? And so the, all the responses have to do with people seeking a greater understanding either of something within themselves that they have conflict with or something within somebody else's life that makes them uncomfortable. So it's all about people trying to find a sense of comfort. And folks have, have come to you and said they've found that comfort, that they're getting that? Like people who have, who have reached out, who, have, who are also struggling with addiction right now, it's comforting enough to hear that they're not alone. Because so often we're sitting in the same room with people going through the same things that we're going through, but then we're just not saying it. And so, so for them, the parents who are understanding their kids better and the people who are you know, the people say, for instance, who are struggling with pornography, it's a start for them. You know, they didn't necessarily reach out and they're like, yay, you know, your book was super sexually explicit, which it is at points. You know, now I'm like totally cured of hating myself for watching porn. But, you know, it was the start of a conversation. A good seed was planted and they understand that there's more than one way to look at, you know, pornography now. Not just the church told you it's bad, you know, and that's it. You know, it's a little bit more <laughs> layered than that. <laughs> so. I have, um, nobody's told that to me directly, but like when I've gone on other people's shows, those people have gotten responses from like my interview with them saying that they thought, you know, you know, you know, we're going to go to hell and, you know, and all of this like that. Cause I'm being very like PG right now out of respect for the temperament of your show and everything like that, because but, you know, like like on my show and on some other people's shows, like every other word out of my mouth is a cuss word, <laughs> you know, and everything like that. But because we, I might say like God and the F word or, you know, all these other different words in the same sentence, that really does bother a lot of people. The thing that's bothered me the most is that there are certain people who I used to have relationships with who are pastors of churches or preachers within churches. And those are affirming churches like LGBTQIA plus affirming churches. But as I got more into my anti-church pro-God rhetoric, they stopped responding to my messages. And so, and and I think because of what I'm, you know, it goes against their, you know, their, their church's agenda. So that's what's really like bothered me. So they haven't said, stop what you're doing, but they just got silent on me. Not fair, but I, I'm not surprised to hear it that way, but I'm glad it's not people actively going out of their way to find you and harass you because you're trying to, you know, do what you want to do that. So you, like you said, you wrote the book and you thought the podcast would be a great way to help to push this book out there, help to get more attention. When you were launching the podcast, what were some of the initial struggles or challenges or what are some things about it that you learned along the way that you wish you had known earlier? Learn how to do every, as much as you can yourself 
itself and some of it might not be as intimidating as you think. So as you know, Alex Sanfilippo over at uh, Podmatch, he emailed me one day out of the blue. I never met him before and I thought it was kind of a spammy thing, but I was like, I'm not going to delete it. And eventually I got back to it because usually the stuff that shows up in my inbox isn't of use to me, but I'm so glad that I didn't delete his message. And so he taught me about you know, how to use Descript for my own editing and there's so many things. And the main pitfall is to not get caught up with people trying to hustle you because you have a, you know, you have a passion, you have a dream. And so, you know, I came across these people, you know, charging, you know, three, $400 an episode just to have it edited, to find someone to come on the show and everything like that. And now I do that all myself. And so many people stop podcasting because of the, because of the cost and everything. And there's so many tools out there to, to really, really reduce your cost. And so that would be my main thing is to find ways to do stuff for yourself and to, and to believe in yourself that, that you can do it. I would certainly agree with that, that, you know, as someone who also offers services to podcasters, there have been plenty of folks where we can say, yes, we can do that and we can charge, but there are things that you can do on your own. And I think, I think it's important that you know how to manage your own podcast, even if you eventually do bring on outside help and, and outside assistance so that if that person goes away or if something changes, you know, the show can still go on. It doesn't have to rely on, on other people who you are working with. What about today? What has been, you know, what are some things today with podcasting that you wish were easier or something else that would make, you know, that would help you in producing the podcast? Marketing assistance and things like that you know, email campaign, social media, you know, the outreach aspect of it for these first we're on, I think episode 61 just dropped like an hour ago. So for this first, thank you for this first, you know, year or so I've been focused just on content creation, you know, like Alex always says, just focus on content, you know, just to see if I was going to stick with it, you know, and be sure. And so now that it seems like a I'm not like aggravated with podcasting or anything, you know, I really quite love it. So now just slowly, I'm starting to shift gears and how can I put this in front of uh, more people? And that is probably every podcaster's big challenge is how do we get more people to listen to the show? Has there been anything in particular that you found has helped to grow the show? Going on other people's shows and then my website. So having good SEO and then getting in front of more podcasters, even the ones who might be angry at you after you go on there. Oh, I'm here for the anger. I mean, <laughs> I'm waiting for it to come because it's happened in every other business that I've had. You know, every every last one of them, my massage therapy clinic, my down under apparel lingerie store, the, you know, those two things you would think no one would show up angry. Yeah, they do. So, <laughs> so it's only a matter of time before they find me. <laughs> so. I'm sorry you have to endure that and screw them for not accepting for you being as fabulous as you are. Uh, so as part of your appearance and everyone's appearance, we always like to talk about a charity or a cause that, you know, we want to support on your behalf. You're, you have us, uh, talking about the ACLU, the American civil liberties union. We'll have a link of course, to ACLU.org. If you want to donate on behalf of Devannon, why the ACLU, what is, what is, why is this such a important cause to you and, and to your beliefs? There is a gorgeous transgender man by the name of Chase Strangio, who is a like a civil rights, uh, some sort of like an attorney with the ACLU. His advocacy and his work and everything I found to be 
most inspiring. On some degree, I'm becoming kind of like, you know, very passionate about like the trans cause. I am not transgender, but for whatever reason, it's really, 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 really starting to speak to me. And so I've been learning, you know, more about like the trans struggles and everything like that. And because Chase Strangio is um, affiliated with, you know, the ACLU and uh, things like that. And some of the trans people I talk to, they always seem to point back to the ACLU and, you know, are big advocates of donating there. That's why I chose the ACLU. I mean, they do fight for everybody and uh, they are absolutely a good organization. So again, if you want to donate uh, on behalf of Devannon and his appearance here on Cause Pods, it's aclu.org. And of course, we will have a link in the show notes to that as well as right back to your website, sexdrugsandjesus.com. Before we let you go, any advice or any words of wisdom that you would give to somebody else who is passionate about their cause, uh, maybe they've written a memoir, or maybe they just want to get out there and spread the word about what it is that they're trying to do. Um, anything you would say to one of those budding podcasters out there? I'd say find podmatch.com or pod podpros.com now. And um, I would just say stick with it. Time and pressure is something that someone told me who was a lifelong businessman long ago when I was but a wee bean pod in the ground. He said, time and pressure, you know, you got to be able to stick with it and endure and it pays off eventually. I think that is some great advice. And uh, we know Alex Sanfilippo and, and I'm sure that he is doing a great job helping you out. And we would encourage others to check out some of the stuff that he puts out there and see if he can help you. But before you do that, we want to encourage you to check out sex, drugs, and Jesus, the podcast. You can learn more about it at sexdrugsandjesus.com. We'll have a link to that. And of course, all the places where you find this podcast here in the show notes. Devanin, thank you so much for joining us here on CauSpots today. Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for listening to this episode of CauSpots. If you've been inspired by the work of our guest, please check out the show notes to this episode in your podcasting app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their show, their website, their podcast links on Apple, Google, Spotify, as well as a link to support the charity that they highlighted here in this episode. You will also find at causepods.org a way to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcasting app, how to sign up to be a guest on this show, and a link to our Facebook group, which is going to have special resources just for the folks who are podcasting for a good cause. And I can tell you right now, we've got one great deal from our friends at PodPage, but you're only going to learn about it and get that special deal if you are a member of the Facebook group for Cause Pods. And before I go, I should say thank you in particular. The show is edited and produced by Ben Kiloy of the Military Veteran Dads Podcast and what a great job he has done. And all this is made possible because of the great support that I receive from Shannon Rojas here at thepodcastconsultant.com. Once again, if you want to learn more, go to causepods.org. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time on Cause Pods. Mm-hmm.